That's why Paul would write to the Philippians, I just want to be found in Christ. Chuck everything else. Everything that I was, that means nothing to me. I don't want to have a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. This is Preaching Christ. Preaching Christ is a radio collection of sermons from Lutheran pastors around the world who are dedicated to preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ and Him crucified for the remission of sins. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, through our Lord Jesus Christ in the Holy Spirit, who calls us to faith and sanctifies us by the gospel means of grace. Amen. The Mormons... The so-called Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints have some 13.5 million people in uh, countries throughout the world with some 45,000 missionaries on their bicycles or driving their little economy cars around telling the story of a so-called restoration of the Church of Jesus Christ since the great apostasy that apparently took place in the early centuries of the church. They have 129 temples, as they're called. And the zeal of the Mormon people is such that they strive to please their God, to get a temple recommend from their bishops, and to go into these temples and to perform various religious works and duties, many of them being quite secretive. They have enormously successful family life programs, things to draw in the family, to keep it together, and uh, they certainly know how to grow a family. They work very diligently to have friendships with their non-Mormon neighbors to really entice them in, to bring them in to Mormonism. They're so strong in this family area that they were major proponents of the Yes on 8 campaign, and you probably saw on the news how much they were attacked for doing that. These are a people who are zealous for their God. Indeed, the further they get into their theology, the more they realize that they are a people to be zealous for their godhood, for their own evolution as a person into divinity. They have an enormous amount of respect for the United States and its government. They are a people that we in many ways should imitate in citizenry. But the fact is that with all of this zeal for God, they do not have the enlightenment, the true knowledge that the Holy Spirit gives. They are a people who do not believe in the doctrine of the Holy Trinity. They do not believe in the eternal divine nature of God the Son. They do not believe that salvation is by grace alone, through faith in Christ alone, and not according to works, but rather they believe that we are saved by grace after all we can do. 
such very nice folks, very devoted to faith and family, so it seems, and yet so very far from the Jesus and the Holy Spirit and the Gospel of the New Testament Scriptures. Lots of common words, not common meanings. It's like those who would say, peace, peace, and there is no peace. So also they cry out, Christ, Christ, and it is not the Christ. Such nice folks indeed, who have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. Our earnest prayers are for them, and so many like them, indeed, for all who are outside of Christ. For God wills that all would be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. This was Paul's concern with his own countrymen in our epistle today. At the beginning of chapter 9, you have parallel words to what we find at the beginning of chapter 10. Paul says, I am speaking the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience bears me witness in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were accursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, my kinsmen according to the flesh. They are Israelites, and to them belong the adoption, the glory, the covenants, and the giving of the law, the worship, and the promises. To them belong the patriarchs, and from their race, according to the flesh, is the Christ, who is God over all, blessed forever. Amen. But it is not as though the word of God has failed. For not all who are descended from Israel belong to Israel, and not all are children of Abraham because they are his offspring, but through Isaac shall your offspring be named. This means that it is not the children of the flesh who are the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted as offspring. Yes, it's all about faith. It comes down to trust in Christ. In our text, Paul asks, What shall we say? The Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have attained it. These ones who did not have a reputation for seeking the things of God, who did not make it their habit to hear the readings from the Torah or the singing of the Psalms, have attained unto righteousness. It's a righteousness that is by faith. But that Israel, who pursued a law that would lead to righteousness, did not succeed in reaching that law. The law always left them in the dust as they pursued it. Left them in the dust of death. Jesus said to these very zealous people pursuing the righteousness of God, You are those who justify yourselves before men, but God knows your hearts. For what is exalted among men is an abomination in the sight of God. So why is it? Why did they not receive 
this righteousness, this verdict of holiness. They did not pursue it by faith, but as if it were based on works. They were those who were striving to please God by their own energy, by their own reason and strength. When the gift was to be had, the promise to be received by faith. Indeed, Paul would say in just a few verses before the beginning of our text, it then depends not on human will or exertion, but on God who has mercy. It depends not on human will or exertion. This weekend, we have in the Southland the Harvest Crusades. And after uh, ruckus rock and roll Christian music, they'll have a, a pull your heartstrings kind of message. And then, as one worker at the stadium says, Greg Laurie will drop the bomb. And people will be encouraged to come and to, according to this theology, exercise their will to make a decision for Jesus. Well, what did it say again? It then depends not on human will or exertion, but on God who has mercy. God didn't want to leave such an important thing to our deciding and our striving. God took care of the whole thing. Salvation from first to last, from Alpha to Omega, is in Jesus. And on account of His work, His merit, and the working of His Holy Spirit that He sends through His Word and sacraments. That is the work of God. The work of God is that you believe. God's work brings about faith. That's why Paul would write to the Philippians, I just want to be found in Christ. Chuck everything else. Everything that I was, that means nothing to me. I don't want to have a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. Faith, which Paul says to the Ephesians, is God's gift. St. John Chrysostom says, There is only one righteousness which finds its fulfillment in Christ. Even someone who has failed to keep the law properly will be righteous if he has Christ. But the man who does not have Christ is a stranger to the law as well. What is he saying? He's saying that apart from Christ you can do nothing. Does that sound familiar? It should. It's right from the lips of our Lord Jesus Christ. Apart from me, you can do nothing. God does not reckon any work to be good apart from faith in Christ. So it really is a problem that the Israelites were pursuing all of this righteousness of God apart from faith then, isn't it? For all of that working, sweating, worrying, striving, reading means nothing. It means nothing because they have rejected God's Son. Thus Paul's deep concern. They have stumbled, he says, 
over the stumbling stone rather than running to Him and embracing Him. The law was our guardian, Paul told the Galatians, until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith, trusting in Him. This is just as it was written, now fulfilled, this prophecy of Isaiah. Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. Look at how they wondered, marveled, and then frustratingly gnashed their teeth at Jesus during his ministry. Recall from John 6 his hard words to those refusing to believe. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. The Jews then disputed among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. Jesus is the source of life for all. Well, when many of his disciples heard this, they said, this is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? And after this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. Jesus says hard things. We, sinners, are called to be a repentant people who trust in what he says. Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. But whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. The judgment will bear out that they rightly held fast to the only one who could save, Jesus Christ, the one who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. That's Jesus. We shouldn't be complaining that there's only one way. We sinners should be thankful that there is any way. And we are, by God's grace. This is for all. Again, golden mouth. This is said not of the Jews, not of the Jews only, but of the entire human race. The wonder is that the prophet speaks not only of those who will believe, but also of those who will not believe. For to stumble is to disbelieve. How many times have you stumbled over the Word of God? How many times when you were doing something that gave your flesh pleasure, and then you hear the Word of God and it causes you to trip up? Sometimes maybe it crushed you. And sometimes maybe you were given to fall on it. 
But Jesus is the one who picks you up again. Because his answer to the law, as always intended, is forgiveness in the gospel. So this is the great invitation to believe even though we can't, and yet the Spirit is given so that we would, and that we would have life in his name. Brothers, now Paul is speaking extremely emphatically and emotively here. My heart's desire and desperate prayer, petitionary prayer to God for them is that they may be saved. How could he pray this way? If these are the ones who have stumbled over Christ, and how does he pray for them in this way? Well, Paul didn't buy into any such notion as a double predestination. He knows that the salvation of Jesus is for all and to be proclaimed to all. Indeed, the same Lord is Lord of all, he'll later say, bestowing his riches on all who call on him, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. This is God's saving mission that all would be saved, even those presently hardening their hearts, those presently speaking against Christ, those who might even spit at the name of Jesus. God wants to save them. He loves them dearly. Paul earnestly prayed for them, and so should we. He says, I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. Paul knew what it was to be zealous, didn't he? And he was extremely knowledgeable in the things of the law and of the traditions. Paul was the one who had a great education, zealous for the law of the fathers, zealous for God. So zealous he persecuted the church to the point of violence, to the point of killing Christians. He was advancing in Judaism beyond many of his own age. So extremely zealous was he. And yet, he acted in ignorance. This bright bulb of first century Judaism acted in ignorance speaking against the things of Christ, not knowing that Christ really is the Son of God in the flesh to save sinners, to save Him, to save you. Being ignorant of the righteousness of God, he says, they were seeking to establish their own righteousness and they did not submit to God's righteousness. See, that would, that would have meant giving up their own righteousness that they'd worked so hard to gather up and feel that they were really doing something for God. That they were really quite different than those Gentiles out there. Those dirty dogs on the other side of the line. It meant that everything that they strive for would be nothing. Just like Paul said of his own righteousness. And they couldn't shake loose of it. The gospel, though, alone is the power of God unto salvation. It alone is what grants life. Christ, Paul says, 
is the end of the law for righteousness. Christ is the end. Christ is the fulfillment. He's not the discarding of the law, mind you. The law still has its work to do. For by the works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight is true. But through the law comes the knowledge of sin. It shows you your need of your Savior. Paul would say in Romans 7, Is the law sin? By no means. Yet if it had not been for the law, I would not have known sin. For I would not have known what it is to covet if the law had not said you shall not covet. But sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment, produced in me all kinds of covetousness. For apart from the law, sin lies dead. We need the law to show us our sin and how much we need a Savior. Jesus said, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. They stand and they are accomplished in Jesus Christ. So that as that hits us upside the head and we realize how far we fall short of the glory of God, we flee to Christ, the fulfillment of the law for you and for me. Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because the penalty due to our error has been accomplished. Fulfilled in Jesus. Everything done already. We've all fallen short of God's glory, but we are declared righteous by God. By the grace of God in Christ, freely as a gift. Because of this redemption that has come in Christ Jesus. This is always how it's been. It's always been about faith in the Redeemer. The coming one for our first parents in the garden the promised seed, the seed of the woman, and the one who has now come for everyone from the day of Jesus walking in Nazareth along Galilee and so forth until the end of the age. It's about Jesus. Abraham, you remember, was justified by faith. He believed God and God reckoned it to him as righteousness. Jesus said, Abraham looked to see my day. He saw it and was glad. King David speaks of the blessing to the one that is counted righteous apart from works. Indeed, the scripture says, to the one who does not work but believes in him who justifies the ungodly. His faith is counted as righteousness. This is the gospel. This is what we all ought to be zealous for. It is what saves, always has been, always will. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Forever for you. Jesus is the one that you wrap your heart around. Jesus is the one who gives you the life you so desperately need when you are zealous to do those things that are contrary to the will of God. And as you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, 
you shall be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Dear friends, it is not to him who wills or to him who runs or strives, but it is God who shows mercy, the God who has put this word of Christ into your hearts and into your mouths so that you might be saved. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Please stand. May the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. We hope you enjoyed and were edified by today's Preaching Christ. If you're interested in having your church's sermons aired on Preaching Christ, feel free to email Pastor Craig D'Onofrio at craig at piratechristianradio.com. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you in His grace.